Hello all. On this episode, we are going to have the rare opportunity to talk with a shaman about the current world events and the state of what's happening right now. And my goodness, is this going to be exciting. So please tune in and hit the pause button on the rest of your life and hear, truly hear what you're about to have the opportunity to experience. Ready to dive in? Welcome to Adventures in Truth Podcast. Every episode, we explore, expand, and evolve our understanding of the truths we encounter and experience in our human quest for clarity and exponential growth. And now welcome your hosts, Dr. Jeffrey Smith and Jim Case. Welcome to Adventures in Truth Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Adventures in Truth Podcast. And uh, I'm Jim Case, and I'm here with uh, my amazing colleague, Dr. Jeffrey Smith. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Another amazing adventure in truth happening here. And uh, once again, we are fortunate to have uh, the amazing Paul Diamond with us um, to, to uh, as, as Jeff alluded to, talk about what's happening in the world today and uh, how, how can we hold all this stuff and, and approach it uh, from a perspective of truth as opposed to a perspective of fear. Absolutely. I'd like to take the intro today and put it in the Put a timestamp on this as uh, I believe it's, the th is it the 3rd of April today? I've lost track. I think so. I think so. Okay. 3rd of April in the year 2020. Um, we're on the West Coast of the United States anyway, uh, anticipating another week to 10 days before if what's happening on the East Coast of the United States is duplicated on the west coast and if what's happening on the east coast is actually happening <laughs> it's just so odd to even say that because we we don't we only know what we're being shown mm -hmm. is happening we don't really know what is happening uh, nevertheless because of what we have been shown happened in china not sure if it really happened, but what we were shown happened and then went to Italy and Spain and has impacted other countries. Uh, now we're getting to experience that. But I would just so much love to hear from our shaman uh, that I've uh, grown very fond of and I've, I've never met Paul in person, yet I feel as though I have through the work that we've done in a variety of different podcasts over the last several months. Um, I really hope, folks, that if you're listening to this podcast right now, that you would stop multitasking if you are, and you'd really, really tune in to uh, a single awareness rather than a dual awareness, and just hear what Paul has to say as to his perceptions of what the virus is all about or what the energy is all about what we can possibly glean from it and what our part is in participating in this massive event that's taking place on the planet. 
So Paul, please share with us uh, <laughs> what your masters and guides this and your own intellect. Here, you take it. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. I have been. <laughs> yeah. Well, these are exciting times, aren't they? Um, radical times. Uh, of course, really the biggest event that most of us have ever experienced on a global scale, um, mm -hmm. at least that we, we've become personally aware of. Of course, you know, disasters are happening on a, on a daily basis and a regular basis, and millions of people are dying of all kinds of horrible things all over the world, but we don't really give it much mind or, or pay much attention to it. But this, of course, has caught our attention in the biggest way because it impacts us personally. Uh, impacts our local environment both dramatically and of course it impacts our personal lives dramatically so we take it somewhat more seriously than the uh, more obvious deaths uh, etc that are occurring all the time which is a shame of course it's a shame that it takes something so horrible and awful to kick us into some semblance of compassion uh, or you know at least to give some mind to you know others in in this space so I think it's a very, very extraordinary thing. And I think on some levels, um, you know, it's, it, it's a necessary thing. I think we've driven ourselves into a very, very deep hole as a species. You know, we, we really were, didn't really know how we were gonna get out of it. It was gonna take something very, very dramatic to bring about a radical shift in human um, activity. And, you know, that's, that's happened, we're, we're there. And we're being forced to change at a very, very fast pace, you know. And I think everybody has the perception as they grow older that time is somehow being condensed, that time is quickening, uh, going faster as, as we age, and that events are getting more compacted. Um, and, um, but now we're being forced to, uh, you know, change and adapt uh, at the fastest pace that really any of us have, have ever seen and not in a really kind of a positive way, you know, obviously being forced to adapt to much more difficult conditions than we're used to, much more restrictive conditions that, that we are used to. And, you know, of course, from the perspective of the planet, that's, that's kind of a necessary quarantine. You know, humanity's not done much good for the, for the environment, for the ecology of the planet. And, you know, it's, it's taken something, this, this radical, to stop us for even a single moment and we can see how even a couple of weeks of, you know, um, you know, the stoppage of human nature and on the kind of the regrowth of the planet as a whole. And, um, but it, and that it only took two weeks really for our whole civilization to <laughs> crumble and collapse and turn into, into something radically different. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it had no foundation had no real foundation it was purely illusory the idea that we were going to be able to continue that um that it was sustainable in the long run was just a fantasy you know fantasy really of of the people who were making the most money who wanted it to continue in order to satiate themselves financially you know at the expense of others um but it wasn't built on anything real and you know now we come back to a much more kind of um, basic relationship with things where the fundamentals are do we have a house do we have a roof over our heads do we have enough food 
you know, are we going to be able to support ourselves, our family, and, you know, during this time and, and afterwards, you know, it becomes very, very base in some ways. And that's really necessary. Turning around of our minds, a turning around of our awareness to really begin to be with ourselves. Constantly distracted by work and by television and by internet and by everything for so long. Now we're being forced to at least spend a certain amount of time uh, you know, just being with ourselves. And for most people, of course, that's a very uncomfortable situation. We're not used to that. We don't really like it. And we tend to, you know, push that energy outwards as much as possible, that inherent discomfort that we feel internally. But it's become harder and harder to do so as we become more and more restricted in our movement. So it's pretty much a kind of a forced retreat, a forced ceremony, uh, you know, a necessary um, calming down of our of our activity and a lessening of our kind of spatial relationships to the point where we're really only able to be with ourselves, perhaps with a partner, perhaps with our family, and to really have to engage in a way that possibly we've not we've not come before. So, you know, despite the horror, despite the awfulness and the deaths and you know disease itself, <clears throat> such as it is. I feel that there are so many positive kind of aspects to, to this that are, um, you know, strictly necessary for, for us as a species. Yeah, have to agree with everything you've said, for yeah. sure. I, can I jump in? May I, or were you going? Were you go, go ahead. <laughs> so, I... Uh, one of the things I'd love to to talk about is the thing is what I alluded to before the before we started, and that is, I find myself in this process. Um, all the things that you said, Paul, just so to me, so right on because it's to me this time has been has been really special, it's, and it continues to be kind of magical because because of the time that we have to focus on daily practice, focus on those those things that we can do to expand our, our energy to open our consciousness to all of that, um, find peace within ourselves, uh, learn quiet, all of that wonderful things. But I find myself, uh, as I surreptitiously sort of sneak in to kind of take a peek at the news here and see what's happening for a minute and go over there, and I realized the other day that what I'm doing is hoping, and my hope is that this doesn't end yet. Um, my hope is that it goes far enough for the crash to actually happen. Um, like, and I don't know if that sounds really weird, but it, it, it's, it's well, one side of the, the, the larger part of me is obviously completely dialed into my God that I get to be alive at this time on the planet to experience this kind of transformation and expansion. And please, God, let it go long enough that the systems actually break down. Let it go long enough that that it isn't a week from now and we're back going, you know, struggle and, and it's it's a struggle, but we're now we're gonna get quote back to normal. I don't want to go back to I don't want to go there anymore. Um, I've spent the last year in in my own consciousness work being dismayed by how is it possible that we can continue to act this way and do this and be this way and and destroy things and destroy people and make shit up and lie and and just fabricate whatever 
and, and nobody's stopping and saying, this is not okay. Nobody's stopping and saying, no, no, this is not what we're here for. And now it's, it's almost like God, the universe, whatever, all of us collectively, um, all of maybe all of us who have been dreaming collectively, you know, managed to find a way to co-create an energy that made everybody stop, that makes everything stop. And then, and now we're getting to see because the underpinnings of what you talked about, Paul, the, the lack of foundation under any of it, whether it's, uh, whether it's capitalism, whether it's democracy, whether it's, it doesn't matter. It's, it's all built on faulty premises. And so I, I would love to hear from both of you, actually, your thoughts about that is, is this idea of, I've sort of been keeping my, my little secret, you know, that part of me just, I just want to see a collapse. I want to see the, I don't want to see people hurt. I don't want to see suffering, but it's, it's the way through, you know, it's, it's the way through. Cause I think if it stops too early, the suffering is going to be even greater. Um, because if, the amount of energy and power that the, that the powers that be will exude to try to write things back to where they were. Um, and where they were is, is uh, I, I'm hoping we get to a place where you can't get there from here. Food for thought. Any thoughts? <laughs> well, I think one of the curious variables here that none of us may know, and I hope Paul might have some insights about this, is how long does change need to stay in effect to become the new normal? Mm -hmm. um, so when you were talking about a crash, to me, a, a crash would symbolize an occurrence that has taken place that has changed whatever we used to call normal to become a new normal. And how long does that actually have to occur to resist the temptation to simply rebuild the house of cards, which none of us want to see rebuilt? Yeah. Oh, I like yeah. that. That's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. You know, of course, we have to acknowledge that for the most part, we're speaking, of course, from very privileged positions where, yes. um, you know, we have at least financial resources, uh, um, you know, to sustain ourselves through this time and, you know, to take time to, you know, move into more meditative, meditative conditions, etc. Whereas, of course, you know, 95% of the population of the world does not have such privilege. And therefore, you know, this, 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 um, the situation at large, you know, the disease and, and the economic fallout and all of that, of course, is going to cause enormous havoc, enormous havoc and enormous suffering. And we have to, we have to kind of really hold that actually and not, and not to dismiss it. Of course, it's very easy to us, you know, in, in our position to be kind of okay with it. It's not necessarily okay a slum dweller in India to, who's surrounded by 10,000 other slum dwellers who has no opportunity to self-isolate and is just going to die because they're going to catch something that they have no chance of recovering from because of their economic position in the world. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think we have to, of course, bear that in mind and, and really bring that, that forth when, when we're discussing this. Now, with regards to actually, you know, the, the rate of change or how much change is necessary before it becomes a stable condition or, you know, a movement away from the past, I'm afraid actually we are mostly very sticky creatures. <laughs> I'm afraid we, we're going to want to go back to it. It's going to take a shit ton of uh, more. Uh, it, it would take, you know, really, see, financial, you know, the financial side of it, monetary side of it has really been there since the days of Babylon and Sumeria, 
you know, mm-hmm. way, way back in the day. And that kind of mental mindset for, for, from whatever cause really managed to get a grip over human consciousness in a way that we have not become free of. And I doubt that we're going to be free of kind of any time soon. Financial institutions are going to be backed up by, by the government. The government's going to back up the corporations. They're going to do everything they can to keep the capitalist dream alive. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, they don't want to see the change at those higher escalons of society. They don't want to see the change at the higher corporate structures, I'm afraid. Of course, there are individuals within corporate structures that uh, do want to see such change, but it, it isn't endemic enough to, um, you know, be, uh, you know, to change everything overnight, as it were. But it, it doesn't mean that we aren't going through a period of severe self-reflection that can have on a smaller scale you know i think that we're going to try and hopefully uh, understand the necessity of um, you know local uh, uh, environmental kind of concerns you know not not going for the global model anymore growing food locally and importing locally and you know moving away from the global um, chain of, of supply and demand and actually trying to come back in a more holistic fashion on a more personal level you know of course many people have been trying to do this for a long time anyway but i suspect that this will kick more and more people into that kind of smaller way of thinking actually you know more more village-like mentality where uh, you know the people that in our local community become more of a concern to us um, and such like but i'm afraid human nature takes a lot to, to really change you know and we'll see, we'll see. I'm not holding out great hope that this is the great event that's going to kickstart an entirely new, uh, you know, way of being in the world. But I am hopeful that it will cause enough self-reflection, cause, uh, you know, a certain amount of change, and that may be significant enough. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, I was struck <clears throat> particularly about, and, and I'd like to spend a few minutes on this idea of, of from the place of privilege. Um, never, you know, it's so funny. It, that thought never occurred to me. I don't, I don't, I, I guess I don't think that way normally, but the reality is it's a reality in my world. Um, I mean, I'm not swimming in money. I'm not, you know, set for life. Um, but I'm okay. And, and that comes from a certain amount of privilege that I have, I guess, um, I'm not sure related to what, but I, I still understand the concept of it. Um, I'm not sure, though, what that means in terms of how to, uh, other, than, other than bringing forth more compassion, other than bringing forth more love, uh, what what does that understanding create in the balance? Um, uh, you know, if we think in terms of, of, you know, creating your own reality or, or uh, you know, we're all here on a journey and that journey is, is singular and plural. Um, so how do you hold all that? How do you, where, where do you hold all that? Where does it, where does it go? Um, you know, I've thought about it as ter- in terms of uh, thinking about, should I, you know, how to be engaged? Is this a process of, of 
helping people who don't have anything and if they don't what what difference does it make and it's, it's it seems all very confusing um yeah. so the best option yeah. is is be quiet <laughs> <laughs> no i think you, you you hit on it immediately jim you know the the answer is um yeah it, it leads to the deep needs or or uh you know wants to move in the development of um compassion that's what it wants you you know in in being reminded in in this way of, of the position that, that we hold comparatively speaking um this this is what wants to arise and it wants to arise in such a uh, deep way that it transforms us and our relationship um you know from this point onwards to recognize yeah you know and it may not be that we we need to give a huge amount of money to charity it may not be that we need to go to india and feed beggars on the street you know it, it, it needs for human beings and for the human condition uh, in a way that actually kind of breaks our heart you know we want it to break our heart open not not in a way that kind of destabilizes us but in a way where we are affected once again you know we've become so uh, unaffected and disconnected and mm. you know um, we've had such frightening awful and horrible news shoved down our throats year after year you know day after day week after week month after month year after year but we've become immune to it you know when we see pictures of starving children now on the news <clears throat> i'm afraid it doesn't impact us and we need it to we need to feel that again not because we want to feel overwhelmed by the impossibility uh, of the magnitude of the problems on the planet but because that gives us the impetus to, to you know make change to do something uh, you know, even if it's just on a small level. And this is what the universe and reality as a whole is asking of us constantly, is yeah. to become wise, compassionate, loving, caring beings, you know. It's there inherently, you know. We see it in the generosity of small children willing to give away whatever it is that they have um, out of love, you know, coming up and giving you a hug out of, out of nothing but love. You know, it's there inherently beneficent um, activity of humanity is there you know naturally when when we're put in difficult positions for the most part actually we don't move towards more selfish activity we move more towards compassionate beneficent activity so to really cultivate this and allow it to you know become our predominant um, sort of mindset as it were i think that's what's being called with us fantastic um i love that so we're talking about compassion and we're going to carry that over uh, right after the break we're going to take a quick break here and we will be right back. So hi again. So I'm Paul Diamond and um, I own and run um, Tantraya Center in Pisac, Peru. Uh, we're a retreat center and a school of magic, a school of meditation, a school of combining all of these activities together in a transforming so we've just got a whole bunch of new programs up on patreon um, if you'd like to go to patreon.com slash tantrier and um, you'll find a whole bunch of stuff up there and we're going to be putting stuff up week by week working on different um, energetic practices different magical practices just different meditation practices together moving step by step through, through a methodolo methodological approach to freedom to liberation to transformation and I'm offering counseling and coaching services, healing and uh, practice guidance sessions 
um, and you can find that again on our website uh, and on our Facebook page, uh, Tantria and tantria.com at gmail.com. Thanks. And welcome back. And again, we're super excited that Paul's here with us again. Check him out. Uh, check out his website, www.tantrea.com. Um, but you'll find him. He's in there in Peru and, and going to have a lot of really powerful and wonderful offerings. And he's also currently doing, um, has been doing since this started on Fridays at uh, one o'clock Eastern time, doing a Facebook live where you can have a chance to meet him and talk and ask questions. Um, and, and he's also doing some stuff there too. So looking forward to more and more of that. So back to our conversation about compassion. Um, Jeff, it looked like you were ready to jump in just before the break. Was did you uh, did you have? Something I do. There? I I was uh, contemplating some of the same things you were with regard to Paul's helping us be aware of this uh, privilege, this perception of uh, what's happening from a place of more privilege than others on the planet. I was wondering if you could tell us what's going on in Peru, how people in Peru are processing and experiencing the virus. Yeah. Gosh, gosh. Well, actually, of course, we don't have um, so many cases of the virus itself here at the moment, but they've taken very, very draconian measures with with us, uh, with the population. Uh, the latest is that um, men are allowed out um, shopping for a few hours uh, on a Monday, a Wednesday and a Friday. Women are allowed out on a Tuesday, a Thursday and a Saturday. Nobody is allowed out on a Sunday. And, um, you know, things are very, very restrictive in, in that way. Very, very vulnerable population. I think they need to take some quite extreme measures. Um, actually, I think if the uh, virus does hit the uh, Sacred Valley, uh, just outside of Cusco, um, it's gonna be disastrous. They, they don't have enough medical equipment. They don't have any money. Uh, it's a very poor population for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, a very ignorant population for the most part. They don't really understand what's going on um, in terms of. I think most people are still wandering around in groups. Most people are wandering around without masks on, all that kind of thing. So there's not much kind of a, an understanding necessarily of, of what's happening. And so, of course, you know, from that perspective, if, if these measures aren't taken, I think it could be very, very disastrous for Peru at large, for the Sacred Valley in particular, it's a very condensed population. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm, in some sense, I don't, of course, don't want to be quarantined any more than anybody else does, but I'm kind of pleased that they're taking these measures. I hope that it's effective and I hope they manage to keep it away from, from the local area, obviously, as it's going to be a disaster here, actually, and, and tragedy. Paul, I was wondering <clears throat> if you could share with us from really an intense shamanic belief system. Do you see the virus as being part of the garden of part of mother nature built into the system that once the population achieves a certain density or a certain level of disdain for the garden, that this is a way that mother earth or the planet is able to take care of herself? Interesting, you know, I, I, I think we don't need to go that far. I think it's not, it's not to suggest that I, I don't think that that's necessarily happening on a certain level, but I think we just can simply say humanity has moved so far away from the natural order that things like this are inevitable. 
you know, that we've brought it about, not, not necessarily that Mother Nature is doing something against us. We've, we've brought this upon ourselves. We've acted incredibly, awfully and irresponsibly and without care to such a significant degree that the only thing that can be brought from that is more chaos and more disaster. So I would say we've, we've brought it upon ourselves. We don't need to think about it as any kind of divine retribution or judgment or activity even of Mother Gaia, Mother Nature, you know, acting against us. No, we did this. It was our fault. <laughs> I, I, you know, that really struck me, Paul, that, that uh, when you said um, we've gotten so far away from our nature, and, and isn't it interesting that the, the vehicle that is creating this change is not natural? Um, it, it's it supposedly, you know, allegedly, it, you know, it's, it's some, some guy ate a bat in China and now it crossed from animals to people. Um, there's a certain flow of the logic that I have a hard time with, but <laughs> that how, how it suddenly all became about being able to get people. But Beside that point is just the, the, I just think it's extraordinary that it reflects the level of, of how far away from natural order we've moved. And, and that, yes, this is a creation of being out of the natural order. You create unnatural things. And, and so here we are, all of us, privileged or not, <laughs> you know, we all get to, we all get to, to walk this path together and, and find a way back to some form of order some form of natural order. And it's, uh, it's remarkable to see some of the things that we're seeing with regard to the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom and, and the way the earth is taking care of itself and nurturing itself during this time of isolation. Um, and, and take the cue, you know, take the cue, everybody. Uh, when, you can, when you can see a picture in a week of the canals of Venice running absolutely clear and you can see the bottom of the canal, um, that's an extraordinary, magical, incredible thing that just happened. And if it can happen at that level and at that scale, imagine what it can do for us each individually um, if we allow that process to happen. But if we stay in that unnatural state and continue to fight against it, that's, the, I think, the point where you get to jettison off the planet. I think that's the point where you got to make a choice. Am I staying or am I going? Because there has to be some form of natural order for things to maintain balance. And if they don't, then then something then we're going to create a way to maintain balance. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Paul, how far back would we have to go in human history that there was a natural order in the way that humans were living? Yeah, that's a great question, Joe. I think, of course, it's, it's difficult to ascertain a, a, a you know a specific date. I think that it happened, you know, in, in stages essentially as we kind of lost our way bit by bit, as it were. Um, you know, we can, um, the, the movement culture kind of initially more to a patriarchal masculine-based culture. We can say, you know, a movement away from a mostly vegetarian, hormone-rich, um, alkaloid-rich diet to, to a kind of much more kind of, you know, meat-based diet, movement away from the tropical forests into the desert. And, you know, then onwards, of course, to various inventions that brought about mass changing, you know, environmental conditions, electric, electrical systems, telephonic systems, and you know, things of this nature. 
And then, of course, the Industrial Revolution, you know, completely changed our relationship. Before the Industrial Revolution, we can say we were at least living to a certain degree in harmony with the natural cycles, you know, the natural cycles of day and night. We don't forget that reasonable out electric lighting, so we were living much more kind of naturally. But, you know, the Industrial Revolution and, and you know, changed us dramatically and moved us away from, from the natural order in a very, very fast manner. And that, that continued kind of, you know, uh, quicker and quicker, really, until we find ourselves where we are now. But it definitely wasn't a one-time only event. You know, we can perhaps identify, um, you know, various sort of manipulations of human consciousness by various nefarious parties, both, both human and other, in terms of trying to, you know, get us coming us down or sort of, you know, mo moving our mind away from a more clear perception of reality to a less clear perception, manipulation of calendrial systems, numerical systems, things of this nature, and confusion of historical process and obscuration of true history and things like this. And all of these things, of course, have just built upon themselves, you know, one after another until we find ourselves extraordinarily far removed from things, until we actually find it very, very difficult to even recognise what it is that's natural. And, and you know, what is more natural is actually often given a kind of a, a comical or, um, you know, mock, mock, mockery kind of uh, aspect, you know, not taken very seriously at all, the return to nature and, you know, hippies living off the land and all this kind of thing, whereas, of course, actually, these were the more natural conditions. So... Yeah, I'm afraid it's been a long, long process of movement away from, and therefore it's not necessarily going to be a very fast movement back to, and actually probably not possible to return to now. We have to move through it rather than seeking to return to something that was pristine. We have to go through everything that we've created in order to come to a new, a new way of being. You know, we can't seek the old; it's not there anymore. Hmm. Do you Good. think there's a culture on the planet now that's would serve as a model for how we could do this? I, I think, of course, you know, of course, you know, near, nearly every culture on Earth has, has been corrupted in some way or another by, by the mind virus of money, by the mind virus of, of you know, um, more goods and, and all of these kinds of things. And, you know, it's pretty much there absolutely everywhere. The only places we really find it now are in kind of, you know, tribal cultures that have been hidden away from from humanity at large but again i think it, it's not possible for us to use those as a model because we we can't go there that's not it's not possible for us to return to some kind of archaic relationship with things right. we wouldn't know how to as much as anything you know we don't have the, the the understanding or the ability to do that so we really have to kind of like you know take the ball by the horn as it were take the bit in the mouth and run with what we've done and see how we can't kind of use what we've created to bring about uh, you know, a, a beneficent relationship with, with things post-industrial uh, revolution, post-technology, post-you um, know—historical process, not not pre. And on that note, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with a question that I'll have you guys think about for a second here, because to Paul's point and what he was addressing, and that has to do with um, natural order and technology. How do they work together? And do they work together? And I think Paul started to answer that, but we're going to come back to that right after the break. Hello, everybody. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Smith here with adventuresintruthpodcast.com. We are so excited as, gosh, 
has there ever been a more exciting time to be on the planet? And you've heard us talk about this episode after episode. And now we're getting an opportunity to make a shift from what was to what is and what's going to be. And so we're challenging ourselves to create digital forms of workshops, workbooks, books, and opportunities to communicate with our listeners who are of the same mind or at least looking in the same direction. Uh, we want to be able to offer these in the near future uh, on our various platforms. So please stay tuned to what's coming next. We're excited about what God and Source is giving to us to share with you. Thanks. And we're back. Great conversation we're having today as we're talking about current events and, and how they all, the implications of it all and trying to get, get some understanding, some deeper connection to the evolution of this process. And before we went on the break, uh, we were talking about natural order and, and how important that is. And, and I know one of the things that I've struggled with thinking about this, and I know Jeff and I have had a couple conversations, and this idea of, of getting back to, what does that mean, getting back to? Um, if we go back to, are we leaving behind what we've created to this point? And is everything we've created to this point invalid? Um, and I think about that in terms of things like technology. Um, our technology has far surpassed our ability to solve our problems even. Um, and uh, so it's kind of interesting is how do you, where, where do you find new normal? You know, where do you find natural balance in line with technology that, that allows us to do things that it's, it would almost seem irresponsible not to continue to evolve because in many cases, those changes have, have created a lot of positive impact. Now, have they been used for lots of negative impact? Absolutely. And I'm not disputing that because, you know, when you figure, as, as we've all been talking about, the different aspects of culture, the government, you know, the, the financial institutions, the corporations tend to utilize these things in, in, in negative form as opposed to positive form. So what happens if we, if we use them in positive forms? How, how can we evolve out of this process in stride? Um, meaning we recognize what's come before. We recognize the ineptness or the impossibility of it going forward, but now we're going to engage it using tools that we have, but finding natural order within that environment. Paul, any thoughts on I, I that you'd like, to, you'd like to add? Yeah. Share? Yeah, Fair part? I think that this is, this is sort of, it's, it's an important point. You know, it's like actually <clears throat> there is a sort of, um, there is an evolution of human consciousness uh, there's an evolution of human um sort of uh technological advancement and uh, understanding of the laws and conditions of reality and all these kinds of things that are without a doubt a sort of um positive and necessary movement of the mind you know, we, we, what, what good was anything when, when we were kind of, you know, Neanderthal minded, there wasn't really anything there that was of any use to anything really. Now it's not to say, of course, as you say, Jim, that we would not exactly use these things for positive uh, purposes, but it doesn't mean that there is still isn't a necessary growth of human intelligence, a necessary growth of human consciousness. You know that that is that is necessary it's how we utilize these things and you know the attitude that we bring to them 
is is the problem uh, as such rather than necessarily either the technology in and of itself or the um, sort of mind states that brought us to to those uh, mm-hmm. you know new inventions or whatever this is all kind of good um, what what needs to change is of course the lack of empathy the lack of compassion the lack of um, you know all of that aspects of things within Connection. the realm yeah within within the realms of science and technology this kind of cold heartedness where if as long as we gain knowledge it doesn't really matter what we do you know this is the kind of attitude that needs to change it's not so much the um uh, the kind of impetus to exploration or the impetus to invention of humanity that's the problem this is wonderful you know, of course, we could easily solve all of the problems of humanity if we could just get our shit together and stop fighting. But, you know, of course, we could come together as a species in extraordinary ways, solve all of our problems very, very quickly, and become the spacefaring species that we're supposed to become in our in our future evolution. You know, we can do that very, very quickly. But I'm afraid we've got so many emotional problems, we've got so many egoic uh, issues that arise because because of our inner nature, that it becomes impossible to utilize these things for positive purposes, you know. So it's not the things in and of themselves that's the problem. We can use all of that in our spiritual growth and, and to grow as, as a um, species, but not with the right all about mine, me, and, you know, what, what we can get for ourselves. That's no good. That doesn't help. Yeah, when I think about um, the, the different cultures that have been talked about in history, you know, um, uh, whether it was the Atlantean people, the Egyptian people, the Lemurian peoples, the, the Aztecs for that matter, um, all of them that we sort of, I mean, some of them like the, at least in story, in theory anyway, um, the, the evolution of technology and, and compassion and, and had come together in such a way that you had a, 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 a brilliant cultures that were, were, were doing incredible things um, that we don't have access to at this point, um, that we don't, that we've not allowed ourselves to explore, probably because the, that level of power could be dangerous um, in the mindset that, the hum, that humanity currently is in, and, and that in, in, in the sense of that sort of negative expression. Um, and, and how cool could it be that that potential is there that you can bring and evolve in such a way that the species evolves, technology evolves, our ability to thrive evolves. And we're creating, you know, um, I hate to go to the word, but why not, um, you know, to that utopian place. Um, now, I mean, we're not even close to that right now, but, but the potential of that suddenly opens up in a new way when you consider the technology that we now have and, the power of the people to potentially create some pretty astronomical change um, for good or for bad, but preferably for good. And hopefully that's where this is going. Fingers crossed. (laughs) You know, we're just an extraordinary species. We can really, we can do anything. We can do anything. And, and you know, you'll have to repeat your last sentence because you froze, Paul. <laughs> I said we have to get our shit together first. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> well, we needed to hear that too. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I found it interesting that 
the word compassion followed us from the, we've done two podcasts today for our listening audience. And the word compassion showed up in our first podcast and it showed up twice in this podcast. I'm wondering if compassion as a concept could be something we use as a litmus test to ask ourselves, is this activity that I'm doing right now what I should be doing? Does it meet the standards of compassion? Does, is there anything about what I'm doing right now that either supports compassion or violates compassion? For example, work with me for a moment and think about Las Vegas as a concept. It's a place, it's a town, it's an energy, it's a vibration. Is there compassion in Las Vegas? Was Las Vegas built around compassion in terms of should I support it by going there and entertaining myself with that energy? Or is that something that the planet would do better without with regard to should we be hopeful that it gets turned back on again or are we better off without it? And I don't know that it has to be black and white, but if we look at the order in which things got shut down when the pandemic started with regard to cruise ships, when you think about a cruise ship, do you think about compassion? Do cruise ships support compassion at all? Again, it doesn't have to be black or white. <laughs> when we think about bars and restaurants, do you think about compassion? When you think about a cell phone, do you think about compassion with regard to the countries in which families go out and trudge knee deep into mud to extract cobalt from the planet to make the cell phones? Would we actually be able to utilize that word and that concept to help us shape our daily actions with regard to compassion? I just find it fascinating that the word has shown up a couple of times and I'm paying attention to it. And in our discussions of trying to not go back to the past and think that's the solution or think that we're being cursed like the virus is here to, you know, curse us, we've done something wrong. We do have to move forward. And how can we do that with compassion as our guide with regard to helping us make decisions about what we involve ourselves with or what we support? I just find it fascinating to use that word as a potential litmus test. What do you guys think? Yeah, that, I think is yeah, you're, that's the benchmark. That needs to be the benchmark. We, it needs to be balanced, though, of course. It needs to be balanced with the opposite energy or the complementary energy of wisdom. Uh, it, it can't be alone. It can't be alone. Compassion without wisdom is, 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 is dangerous. You know, compassion without wisdom is somebody uh, is a heroin addict and they say, oh, I'm in, I'm in so much pain, please give me some heroin. Compassion says, oh, here we go. Here, have some, here, have some heroin. It's all better. Uh, <laughs> wisdom wisdom uh, on its own says, um, you know, you know, I'm not giving you any money. You're going to spend it on drugs. Get, get yourselves to, you know, some kind of rehabilitation center without that sense of kindness. They need to go together. We need the wisdom to, um, you know, wield compassion intelligently. And we need compassion to temper and to mediate the harsh energy of wisdom. Um, but when those forces are combined, this is the true litmus test um, by which we can um, understand is our, is our uh, activity correct? Are we aligned with truth? Are we aligned with the divine in, in the appropriate way? This really is the litmus test. It has to be that. 
um, you know, it doesn't need to be any theistic model, doesn't need to be any view of, of God or the devil or any kind of divine judgment or retribution or any of that kind of nonsense that is just fantasy and make-believe and actually comes down to very, very basic, real things that can be actually experienced, felt and acted upon in the human arena, which are the litmus test, the benchmark, wisdom plus compassion. Do they, do they uh, cover both ends? You know, the Buddha said it nicely. He said, basically, at least before you speak, um, you know, ask yourself, pass the question through three gates. The three gates are the questions, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Uh, that's a very wonderful benchmark. It doesn't require you to fall into any kind of belief system or, or any, anything whatsoever, any, any kind of cultish, uh, you know, way of thinking, whatever. No, it becomes very real, very human and very uh, um, positive, very beneficial. Great response. <clears throat> it, was, it was absolutely delightful. I'm, I'm, and for those of you who are listening, um, you wouldn't have witnessed this the way we witnessed it right now. Um, but to watch that energy move through Paul and the way it lit him up um, was absolutely breathtaking to watch. <laughs> even, and Thank even you for the, that, Paul. Thank you for that. Even the dog would support your observation yes. that, that showed up as well. <laughs> wow. We're just taking that in for a moment because it's, I think the, we hit a, a very high watermark here with that, with that clarity. Um, that's a piece of truth that I think just resonated through the airwaves and out across everything. Um, that was what was so magical watching you talk, Paul, because the energy just, it was, it was just a light of truth bomb that just, bam, just went all out there. So um, yeah. take it in, breathe it in. <clears throat> Um, be with it, uh, sit with it. It's, it's extraordinary stuff. And, and very much what I know in my heart, I want to see evolve out of this process is that we come to that place that we live from that place. And so I know I can do that now. Um, and how many of you out there can do that now? And, you know, the tipping point is how many of us can step into that and how many of us can walk that energy will create our tipping point. And uh, so let's, let's step into that. Let's, let's, let's really step into that. Um, yes. I don't know how much time we have left for our podcast, but I'm hoping whatever time we do have left, we might shape the uh, conversation toward where do we go from here? What, what do we do at this point and what's going on and how we're going to respond? And what a great place to segue to a break. We're going to come back in a minute and we're going to pick up exactly where Jeff just dropped us off so beautifully. Ranking Mastery is offering listeners a free 60-minute training. In this training, you will learn five simple things to get positioned in Google for all the products and services you offer. Together, we will learn and discover key phrases customers search all the time. Go to rankingmastery.com, look for the free training button and enter the code MYFREETRAINING. We urge you to hurry because spots are limited and similar trainings of this kind can easily cost thousands of dollars. 
Learn from the best, those who have generated over $4 million using these same exact strategies so that your company can take advantage of the top positioning in Google without having to spend tens of thousands of dollars on Google ads or SEO agencies. Remember, your potential clients are searching Google every day for products and services just like yours, and this is your chance to claim your position on the web. The only way to get this amazing deal is to visit rankingmastery.com, click the free training button. Again, that's rankingmastery.com. Well, folks, we've certainly had a delightful, engaging conversation today with our dear host, uh, Paul Diamond. Uh, we'd like to summarize our work so far today with this notion of uh, this fantastical event that's taking place on the planet. Um, and all that it encompasses, both the opportunity for significant change as well as the pain, the growing pain that's going to come with it for all of us. Um, if, <laughs> this just came to me, if anyone thinks that you're going to get through this, <laughs> if anyone, <laughs> it's not going to happen. I hope you can hear where I'm trying to go with this. Um, this one requires participation from everyone. <laughs> And, and for some, it's going to hurt tremendously. For others, uh, not quite as much. Um, but my good, the reason I'm laughing is because this event uh, is forced participation. <laughs> so where do we go from here? Uh, what can we do uh, using wisdom, using truth, using compassion uh, in shaping what we want to see manifest uh, in the next decade? I think that there's something there's something um, very very important uh, actually that we we should discuss with regards to um, the the situation at large that we've not touched upon radical level of um, change or realization as a result uh, as a result of what's happening and that is a, a direct confrontation on a mass level with death um, you know coming into a relationship with death coming into a relationship with death uh, personally um coming into the kind of the sense of the possibility of the immediacy of our death uh, perhaps the immediacy of the death of loved ones people we care about things like this and i think that actually you know out out of all of the initiatory potential of the moment that's the one that's going to bring about the most significant change if we really embrace it fully now, of course, many people are going to do their best to keep on running away from it, as, as we've done for so very, very long, to not engage with it and to continue to make it taboo, even in our own minds, because we don't want to accept or acknowledge the um, uh, finality and um, inevitability of our own deaths. We're going to try and run away from it. But I think that actually, as it, as it encroaches deeper into our awareness because of, because of the global situation, we are forced on mass to initiate into the mysteries of death, into a very clear awareness of our own death and dying, and perhaps even to try to begin to work with that in a way that can actually have enormous benefit, um, you know, at the moment of our actual deaths, whenever that may be, you know, because we've engaged it, because we've accepted it, because we've, um, you know, tried to work with that energy beforehand, then of course it makes the actual death and dying process so much more uh, uh, so, so much easier and so much more natural and beneficial um, because it can be very destabilizing, very confusing, very discombobulating process to go through that. 
you know, but if we've at least attempted to make contact with those energies beforehand, then it makes it much easier for us to move into a death and after death condition and an incarnational cycle with greater clarity and awareness that makes it mean that we can kind of evolve essentially on the kind of evolutionary scale. So this could be the, the thing that brings it fully, really accept it fully, really get in touch with, with it fully, then we can evolve really, really dramatically, I would say. Incredible. That, that, and, and to me, that, that brought everything together, too, with the idea of the wisdom and the compassion is recognizing that it's a compassionate act to recognize, I think, that we are impermanence. And it's an act of compassion to self to, to take in that understanding of this is just natural. This is, this is my evolution. This is, this is me getting growing into something different and larger and bigger and, and having the wisdom to not let that cloud or dampen the, the, the way you thrive in this experience and, and take the opportunities that, that we have now to, to forge different paths, to use those, use those tools to release ourselves from that, that amazing, uh, what's the word? It's a hook. Um, it, but it, it, it hooks to the underpinning. And so it undermines our whole concept of our experience here on the earth and, 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 and puts all these un, unnatural pressures, all these unnatural thoughts, all these unnatural desires, because there's this, because of the sense of, of, of devastation that comes with this idea of people are dying. And that by being able to see it on a scale like this, again, the compassion comes in. You can be compassionate about the experience, but not to the point of being afraid of it. <clears throat> I've noticed in the last couple of weeks as I've continued to work eight, 10 hours a day with people going through this process, everybody's been affected by it in some way, impacted, and even if it's just in their mind and their emotions so far. <clears throat> but what I find so fascinating about it is as our concept of death and whatever that is gets closer to us, as we perceive that it's, it could be, could be in my office, it could be on my hands, it could be in my shoes, it could be in our town, it could be in our community, maybe it's not here yet. But as we perceive it getting closer, I have found that people are paying more attention to their lives and that now our lives are as compelling as the stupid TV shows that people are watching and the movies that aren't even real. They're just being acted. But it's just fascinating to me that people really do start showing up and paying attention to their lives when death seems to be close by, whether it's got a target for you or your neighbor or somebody else. We always seem to show up and pay attention which is just absolutely fascinating to me. Can't avoid that one right now. It's, it's happening all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Profound, very profound, very deep, very necessary. For the listeners, um, we hope that, that this conversation uh, is, is in some way leading you, um, is in some way guiding you, provi providing a platform to you to give yourself permission to, to step into some new ways of thinking, some new ways of being, to take this incredible opportunity for transformation that we are 
that we are in the midst of, whether it was forced upon us or not, um, it's still an opportunity for immense transformation for every individual, every, everything on the planet gets to have that opportunity. We encourage you and avail yourself to every ounce of it. This has got to be, to me, probably one of the most extraordinary times of my life. All of the, the things that, that we get to see and experience and understand and learn more about and avail ourselves to in the deepest way of who we are and, and, and why we're here. Um, you know, what, a, what, a, what an extraordinary time to be able to do that in a place in a way that you don't have to consider anything but what's in your space right now. Mm-hmm. Religion doesn't matter. Uh, none of it matters. All it is is what's here right now. Um, Paul, I, I, I can't express enough and deeply enough, and, and I hope you feel the love that I feel, uh, the appreciation that I feel for all that you represent and bring to this world, and, and so grateful to, to be in the same world, really, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you, what, an, what an amazing opportunity. And, and the same, Jeff, holds true for you. I, just, we just, I get to speak to you more regularly. <laughs> oh, the same. Yes, I feel the same sentiments both toward Paul and to you, Jim. <clears throat> but does anybody have anything else you'd like to add before we uh, bring this baby puppy to a close today? Um, yeah, I, actually, just with regards to you know how to um, you know yeah to just re- realize that, that there's always a deeper level to everything that's going on. That actually this is this is an extraordinary time, and to really kind of utilize that to the best of our ability. And to uh, you know, not not move into spaces of fear or, or panic, and to really hold our ship together, to keep our minds calm and um, you know collected, and to really be there for for each other at this time, really utilize it for for the benefit of our own spiritual evolution and and for the benefit of the beings around us. You know, let's let's take this time. Great suggestion. <laughs> Everybody out there in podcast land, thank you for being a part of this and and thank you for listening. And we look forward to uh, meeting up with you again very soon. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Adventures in Truth podcast. If you would like to listen to more or to explore all our offerings, visit us on the web at www.adventuresintruthpodcast.com. We also offer video versions of our podcast. Visit our page on YouTube at Adventures in Truth Podcast. We would love to hear from you. Like, connect, and follow with us on Facebook. Want to book us for your next podcast or to speak at your event? Head over to our webpage at www.adventuresintruthpodcast.com at the bottom of the page and send us a note. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to seeing you again at Adventures in Truth Podcast.